Welcome to the Something Something Experience Podcast, Episode 68. I'm Michael John Simpson. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash something2xp. There's over 180,000 titles of audiobooks and podcasts and all sorts of lovely things for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And if you sign up for the free trial at audibletrial.com slash something2xp, it won't cost you anything extra, and they'll give us a little something in return. Help us out, won't you? After a couple of weeks off, we are back. This episode is the triumphant return of writer, producer, and friend of the podcast, Hayden Black. Hayden and I sat down to talk about British TV and culture, Gen Z, podcasts, falling asleep in front of the TV, and Doctor Who. Charlie! Here's episode 68 of the Something Something Experience. How are you? I'm lovely. Lovely. How are you, sir? That was a very Manchester response. Bye. Those are the days. Those are the days, huh? Manchester accent's always the one that kind of gave me a little little trouble because there's certain nuances to it that really, at least from the outside observer, seem a bit unique. I mean, Scouse is very Scouse. Cockney's very Cockney. And obviously there's different machinations of that and then you've got your west end newsreader blah 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 but the manchester some there's little things there's little high bits and there's like top of the mouth bits and there's there's other parts that that takes practice it's like oh, welsh you said you've never been able to do a welsh no, accent I, I'm awful with that. I know when we when we moved over to the states um i'll never forget i was sitting in a in the high school gym, mm-hmm. I, it was I was in high school. Yeah. Just let myself in, and I'm talking to this kid, this African American kid, who was. We, we we had this conversation. Neither of us understood the other one. I I had no idea because his American accent at the time was fast and and quick, and, oh, yeah. and I wasn't. What? Sorry, what? And my accent at the time um, was a lot faster, or the way I spoke was a lot faster, and the use. Were a lot more guttural, mm-hmm. guttural, guttural, and um, and he just kept saying what? So what? and so that was my first conversation with an American. Really, <laughs> was just what? riddled huh? with what? Huh? So I realized that turns into a faulty towers episode. It, it could have been, but <laughs> neither of us would have ever known it. <laughs> um, so I think that I, I did make a concession at that point. I thought, well, I better slow down uh, my speech patterns, otherwise I'm not going to be understood. So I did slow down, yeah. but I didn't ever make a concerted effort to uh, to change yeah. to speak with an, an American accent yeah. with an American accent American accent because I just you know I kind of I kind of found that I relished the idea of being an outsider oh yeah, yeah. and I've been yeah. one ever since yeah well I, as, as a kid we were always trying to do British accents so we were all obsessed with British television because it wasn't when we were young and we were nerds we didn't want to watch or dig the reg- I mean yeah we watched all the regular American TV, but we were special because we we knew what Monty Python was and what Faulty Towers was, and we you know we knew all this stuff, and we could we could do some of the accents and some of the funny stuff. I mean, I remember the first time that I got a uh, a Monty Python tape. I got the Monty Python Instant Record Collection cassette, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the Arista cassette. I still have it, um, and I played it in the car, and I was doing the thing for my mom, and she was just practically crashing the car laughing. 
because it was you know doing all these you know she, you sure she, it wasn't just that she couldn't drive yeah <laughs> she well um, she uh, she actually uh, lived in England a bit as a kid because my, her dad was um, in the in the World War Two and was in England for the Reconstruction. Mm. Um, but they, she she lived all over. She was an army brat, and they moved all over. They lived in Germany. They lived in Okinawa. She went to high school in Okinawa. But they lived, for a while. They lived in England. Uh, you know, in the late forties, um, early fifties, and um, and so, uh, where did they live? They, they she told me, my grandmother told me where they lived. It wasn't Ricelip. It was somewhere like that. Anyway, but they they lived, and they the, the all the neighbors loved them because because. Uh, because my grandpa would make barbecue, like American barbecue. He had a little hibachi on his back, oh, back patio, and nobody knew what that was at the time. They hadn't necessarily been to very Japan. cosmopolitan. Oh yeah, very cosmopolitan, very uh, very continental. Um, but he he you know he Japan blah 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 Okinawa. So he picked up little things like that and brought himself back a little. And he still had it till he died. Little Japanese hibachi that he got in the in the forties in in you know in Japan Okinawa, and so. He had that in England, and everybody was so oh, come around to the Bowers for for Sunday barbecue. He may have started a trend. That may have started a to trend. this day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Sunday the Sunday in England they do a roast usually, right? Like a roast. Sunday roast, yes. Sunday roast, yes. <laughs> they actually did a whole Little Britain episode about that. About Sunday, it was a Tom Baker's bo's like. It is imperial law that everyone in England have a roast on Sunday. Oh, Sunday for us. Could be cow, pig, sheep, or bat. <laughs> there was, I've never had the bat one. There was, yeah. Sunday for us, we would... Uh, well, Morrissey, Morrissey's song, Every Day is Like Sunday, oh, yeah. was very true. Oh, all I, the shops were shut. They, they'd open for an hour in the morning. You could get... you know, The news agents would open and stuff like that. Um, so Sundays, very much the, the ritual... Uh, my entire life growing up there... Um, we would have bagels on a Sunday morning. Wow! So, uh, and we're talking the real Jewish bagels, not the things, the weird, weird things you get in America. Right? You know, like. we'd, we'd go to you know kosher delis, nice Manchester style. Nice. We'd get some bagels uh, on a rare occasion. We would splash and get some smoked salmon, Ooh. which my mother would then tear into tiny shreds, so we could all have a little taste. Of it. it was it was like we were paupers, right? Um, and uh, but we would he would go out, he'd get his newspaper and the bagels and possibly smoke salmon and I would get my comic, my weekly comic like a Buster or a Whoopi or whatever mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um, we'd come home we'd do that and then of the afternoon we would go to his my my, my father's uh, parents' house mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where I had a lot of cousins certainly on my father's side and so we would all play and argue right children would want to do there. Uh, and then we'd come home, and it was just it, if we if we didn't go to the grandparents, which was very rare, there was no, never anything on television. Nothing except at about one p.m. If my memory serves correctly, there was always something. That, that's where Space Nineteen Ninety Nine aired. Oh. That's where other bizarre shows like, like American um, stuff. Uh, well, not just American stuff. There was a there was a show. It just came out on DVD like four or five years ago. Um, Star Maidens. Oh, Have you okay. ever heard of that? I've one? heard of it. I heard of it. Um, really daft drivel and uh, starring <laughs> a pre Blake Seven uh, Blake. I'm, I'm blanking on the guy. Uh, Gareth Thomas. Gareth Thomas. There you go. Um, Who was at Galley last year? Year before? 
He must have been two. Wasn't that it was last two year? Two years ago. Yeah. I would have loved to have met him. Uh, I always I, wanted to meet Paul Darrow. I was wanted to meet Avon. Oh, he was, was like a Avon. big hero. Because he was so cranky. He was so. Just, well, I'm not even cranky. He was so cold. Oh yeah, cold and, and yeah, but just so, so so cold. And I always wished I could. He had that, that raspy but. voice. I love those guys, those English guys who smoke too much. Who had the raspy. That, yeah. That no, he was. Fa- he was that fantastic. twangy, raspy voice. He was fantastic. But they. Um, so that's they, they were, that's why they were show the space ninety nine space nineteen ninety nine star maidens. And this is the, the, the oasis for anyone growing up in the 70s and 80s in England. Um, that was on, on a Sunday. You had one show, and that was it. And I think in the evening, once they finally There was finished, no football on Sunday? Well, I wasn't interested in sports. Okay, so there okay. was sports and Christian programming. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Songs of Sunday, songs when, of praise and stuff and, like and, that. And Dr. Bernofsky, that was in the evening, right? On Sundays. Dr. Bernofsky? Oh, the, the, the Ascent of Man, that whole, his whole oh, like, that, anthropological... Oh, I think that was, uh, that was before my time. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but then, uh, as, as you went into the early evening, then you get a kid show. So this oh, yeah. is the second yeah. oasis. Yeah. So generally, I th- I, my recollection there was, and I'm sure there was other shows too, uh, Rent-A-Ghost. Oh, I don't know if wow. you've seen that one. I've, uh, again, I've heard of that. It was, you know, uh, oh, 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 here's another one: the Ghosts of Motley Hall. That oh, was the other one that, that played. There. Maybe it wasn't Rental Ghosts that played then. It was Ghosts of Motley Hall, definitely. Um, uh, and then, and then, you know, then it was like basically you're off to bed, you're done. You yeah, know, if, you know, you got school. Yeah, you got school. Go on, off um, you go on your bike. But that was an average <laughs> Sunday, and when Morrissey's song came out, it's oh, yeah. to this day, oh, yeah. it takes me back to that. That just bleak. Yeah, just nothing, nothing to do. A desert of a dearth of, of any activity. Shops other weren't than, open. Yeah, cra- like yeah. One, one and a half hours of television for a child, which was torture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, yeah. yes, you had Doctor Who the night before. Yeah, Saturday. Saturday. You had feast the night before. Oh, sure, sure. And then Sunday was like, uh, and was you that had a, too was, much fun? Was that a? Was that a? So this is seventies, eighties. So they're showing multiple episodes on Saturday night or are they still doing the like one one part of a, of a story a week a, a, a multiple a episodes of Doctor Who well no they well you know because back in the 70s 60s it was all broken up into half hour par- parts yeah each so one story so one part per week yeah Oh, half hour of Doctor Who a week—that's torture. That's we it. were so lucky in in the you know on PBS we'd get a, a you know a four parter or a six parter on Sundays. We watched the oh, whole no. thing. We didn't get reruns. We get, it was one a week. That's it. If you miss it, you fucked. Oh, I remember wow. one time I got into a fight with my sister, oh. which meant that I was sent to bed or sent to my room. Uh, and I missed an episode of Brain of Morbius. Ah, uh, uh, because of that. Could I have a glass of water, please? <laughs> oh, I, was, I was livid. I was, I was like five years old and livid. That's uh, one of my favorite Tom Baker lines ever. It's pu- dumping, deluging rain outside, and he comes in and says, "May I have a glass of water, please?" That was a great, great show. But, so there, are, like, I have like little scars on my doctor, like um, Terror of the Zygons. Missed one of those. Oh, one of my because favorites. We had to do something. That's one of the first I. Saw. I was I was taking an online quiz the other day about how much you know about old Doctor Who or what your experience was. It was actually like a like a um, like a demographics type quiz. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a test your knowledge. It's a what's your experience with Doctor Who? When did you first? How long have you been watching? Did you watch Classic Who? What who's your first Doctor you saw? What was the first episode you saw? And I can't remember. It was one of the second season Tom Baker episodes I think was the first one so it might have been like might have been um the uh uh oh shit the um android invasion mm-hmm. or 
I it like wasn't Terror of the Zygons. It was one of one of those around that time, though. It might have been Android Invasion, mm-hmm. but it was one of those right around that time. And and then we got those in reruns until new ones would come out, and then they would cycle in those and go back to reruns and cycle in those and go back to reruns. So we were cycling the first three, four seasons of Tom Baker, and then the fifth season, sixth season, seventh season, and you'd every every run through you'd go back and see an, a, a story that you hadn't seen before because either they didn't show it or you missed it or mm-hmm. whatever and so we were watching those over and over again until the last two seasons of Tom Baker then everything was new and then we heard they did the the final season they did the logo change and the you know the neon logo and we knew and then we knew because of the Doctor Who fan club magazine we knew about uh uh Peter Davison was on the well, way. Wasn't it started to make inroads? I think in the states and started to get more popular. Yeah, um, it was a shame that it coincided with the show uh, not being as good as it used to be. Sure, sure. Yeah, um, but I mean, I liked the Peter Davison era a lot because that was my first real new Doctor. This was like new, fresh material, completely different. I liked Peter Davison. You know, John Nathan Turner wasn't the best showrunner. The writing wasn't as good. The at writing times. got worse and worse. Yeah, but yeah. I think yeah, what yeah. start. Well, I, I think. <laughs> To me, the hallmark of it, uh, not the hallmark, the first red flag was the lighting. It was like, you oh, know, yeah, if you're producing a budget, stark white, yeah, if, you're, you, if you've got a budget of Toppen's Hapenny, you don't want to light it all up and no, say, look no. how, you know. So you when want, I think back to Davison's era, I just think back to how unnecessarily was that stark, bright, bright and was. very little outside shot. Because back in the Tom Baker era and the and John Pertwee era, there was so much done outside. I mean, Hartnell and Troughton was all done in the studio. With a little bit, there was a couple like Enemy of the World or whatever, where they shot out on the beach or whatever, but most mm-hmm. of it was done in a studio or at like a compound or at an industrial site or whatever. But, but then with the Pertwee era, they were outside all the goddamn Well, it's because time. of technology. They right. didn't have uh, well, yeah. outdoor, right. you know, uh, certainly an access to outdoors. And they certainly never stuff. shot outdoors at night unless it was lit like crazy. Like a couple of the, there was a, there was a Dalek episode in during the Pertwee, Pertwee, it was like, maybe third season of Pertwee where they had a Dalek episode and it was shot outside at night and that was a big deal. But we were very accustomed to in the 70s and 80s watching British TV shows and having video in the studio on film outside because you didn't have a video camera. I remember seeing that and I didn't understand why but yeah. I just went with it because right. as a child right. you of just course, go that with was stuff. just the way it was and that was that was the thing that really set British TV apart from American TV is you, you had like all American American TV shows were either all video or all film mm-hmm. one or the other no, not a combination right not a combination and they could light film outdoors they couldn't really do they didn't have handheld video to do outdoors so it was either all in the studio or it was all on and it was and it was video or it was on film, and most of it, most of the action adventure, blah blah blah, seventies and eighties was done on film, you know, because um, you, you know, fast cameras, fast action, you had to have a film, you couldn't do video because everything would blur or mm-hmm. be weird or the lighting. Well, too, was weird. I, I, if you if you look at seventies eighties television now, you sometimes see very faint white lines across the screen, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and what that is is uh, if you watch Live Aid, for example, it's mm. it's all over. It's the way that the sound would connect with the um, cameras. Oh. It would affect them, and that's why you saw that. That oh, was yeah. a, a byproduct of sound. Oh, okay. Things got too loud. Oh, okay. It would... Uh, interfere the, with the cathode ray the and, and the video camera or something. vibrations would interfere with it, yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's, that's why you get these lines across the screen. Interesting, that's cool. Um, yeah, I, I, 
I, I miss that. One of my favorite things in the world ever is the Louis Jordan Dracula miniseries, BBC, and because it was song. that, oh, it's it's phenomenal. It so sticks so closely with the book, more so than a lot of other movies did, more mm-hmm. so than like the Frank Langella. It was done in the late 70s, I want to say 77 or 78, and for the longest time it wasn't available on DVD or, or even VHS. I actually got it from an archivist. There's a there's a, a like three or four archive archivists, television archivists. Now everything's on the internet and blah blah blah. But before the days of the, being able to really download a lot from the internet, um, there were these archivists who, back during the fifties, sixties, seventies, were m- millionaires, billionaires who had a you know desk sized v- VH, uh, VCR, one on each channel, recording twenty four seven. And just banking the tapes, banking the tapes. Mm. Hugh Hefner was one. There was one out of Texas. There was one out of the East Coast somewhere. So there were all these different uh, millionaires with VA, VCRs, and they would, and then they, and then you could you could write them and ask them for a certain program. And if they had it, you could pay I think like fifty dollars for a VHS co- copy of it. So I have a VHS copy of the Louis Jordan BBC. You need to get it transferred to DVD. It is. Now it is. It's available from the BBC website. And I have the DVD as well. But I also still have that old cassette that I paid $50 for. But it was great because it was the Dracula that they showed on public TV. And they played it every Halloween from the year it aired originally. And in, in, it might have been even been 76. But it was that film outside, video inside. Mm-hmm. And it was... Lots of really good actors, and and they did these really funky video effects where you would see almost like Dracula's aura, like hungering and pining and reaching out. Even the kind of like in the in the Bram Stoker's Dracula, where you see his shadow behind Gary Oldman, you know, behind Dracula, you see his shadow reaching out, you know, separate from Dracula, acting independently. And they did things like that, but it was like green screen video effect, that kind of weird color silhouette color thing that, mm-hmm. that you would superimpose over something. And there was lots of really interesting, weird artistic shots like that that were very, very uniquely uniquely BBC, very uniquely that time period that would never repeat it and never carried over. But the storyline, it did it as a miniseries, I think it was like three parts, and it, and it covers the whole thing of Lucy being up north or whatever and um, uh, in, the, in northern England and, you know, the whole thing of the ship coming in there and then the London and all the separate things, you know, and... and um, it, it was just one of those ones that stuck out of my mind that I'd like I had to, to have it. I'll, I'll loan it to you, or we could sit and watch it together. I'd love to. I'd love to watch it again. It's been a long time, but and of course, Louis Jordan, so exotic, you know, French actor, so exotic, very, you know, the really good. And then he's got that real gentle, soothing, raspy, you know, smoker quality to his voice, and I love that too. So he's one of my favorite Bond villains too. It's all in the wrist. <laughs> <laughs> It's really not all in the wrist, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, what are you? Uh, what are you working on? What am I working on? Well, we're still slogging away on Gen Z. Still can't wait for that. I still, me too. I've been trying to plug it up as much as I can well, online, you. and really, and it boils down to just you know getting it animated. Um, uh, Alex, our original designer and animator, who's still very much a part of the project, um, um, was just beyond crazy busy oh, with, yeah, yeah. with his day job um, so uh, we didn't we weren't really making as many inroads as, I, as I'd hoped uh, but we, we signed with a st- small studio um, uh, just over a month or so ago 
and they're going to be doing the whole thing in 3D now, which you know Alex wasn't. That's not Alex's forte, so we will look a lot better. Sure, but we're just still waiting for. Uh, but for that's that going to also happen. take more time too. Um, sure. Yeah. So so, but it's happening. So in the meantime, I'm just working on some other scripts and stuff, cool. um, other comedy ideas and whatnot. Um, you know, constantly rewriting and polishing yeah, stuff. Yeah. So it's. Uh, I, I have a show. question about that. Like, a, I guess it's a showbiz question, and I don't know if I'm allowed to ask or not, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, in terms of the talent and and getting them paid for their initial pilot work or whatever, did you have a budget for that already and and paid them ahead of that, or was this like, please do this on spec so we can get this pilot together and then bring everybody um, back? The Gen for, Z, um, it's uh, or did you or did you record the whole thing? Gen Z, or Gen Z is already all recorded. Oh, okay, the whole series. Uh, it's the, well, the entire first series is recorded and is being mixed by Paul Calder of uh, Futurama fame. Okay. Um, so you know, top-notch talent, both sure. you know, in front of the mics and uh, and behind them. Uh, in terms of the of the business, um, uh, I'm not going to get too much into it, but um, certainly to begin with, it's a combination of upfront and deferred pay. Okay. Okay. Um, you know. Yeah. No, I wouldn't want specifics. I was just curious about that about the the business aspect of it. So. Yeah, I think it's it's funny. It it if you're going to ask somebody to do something on a deferred basis. They're going to have to really like what you're asking oh, them sure. to do. Oh, sure. Which, which to me tells me, because of the talent that you attracted to that project, it tells me. And I heard the, the stuff that you played for me was phenomenal. I mean, just the audio. I didn't even have any visual to go with it. Just the audio was good. I was oh, laughing out you. loud thank and you. really enjoyed it. So I'm, I'm really proud of it. And oh, I yeah. Think, I think that when it's ready yeah. and it hits and it's released, I, uh, you know, well, then again, it's all a crapshoot in terms of how many people watch it, but. I think people are going to be really happy with mm-hmm, this. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to be really, uh, they're really going to like these characters because it's not just. Well, first of all, it's a comedy that's funny. I hate things that announce themselves as a comedy that aren't. Right. And secondly, uh, so it's a comedy first and foremost. Secondly, there's a lot of heart to it. Oh yeah. Uh, and so these characters, yeah. we don't shy away from those moments that are painful sure. in their lives. And I and I, I picked up on that was one of the things I mentioned back in our first podcast when I when I when I heard what I heard just just that little snippet of what I heard that you could you could you got that sense of history and you got that sense of fully fleshed out character and somebody with a background story and pain that they're living with every day and and still carrying Thank on you. and all that. So, so that's that's uh, so you know I think it'll connect. I just have to be as patient as anything sure because um, I got you know kind of burned in the sense that I was expecting a lot by December and unfortunately yeah, yeah. wasn't delivered so now I've just got to kind of sit back and let it take its course percolate you know I'm hoping uh, I hope this not to jinx it excuse me but I'm hoping that tomorrow I'll receive the first uh, animated character from the studio um, so I will get to see all of five to 10 seconds of a 3D model nice. of uh, one of the characters. Nice. Um, I'm hoping. We'll see. I've been hoping for the last few Are days. they doing, like, mocap, or are they just doing animated by hand? Oh, no, it's... it's, it's um, well, animated by hand, you know, with the computer. No sure, mocap, sure, sure, though. Yeah. Um, no, 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 yeah. The, the, the procedure is basically they build out a 3D model mm-hmm. of, of each character. Um, it takes about three days. Um, they fill it in. You know, they, they go off of Alex's original drawings and sketches mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. his expression sheet. Mm-hmm. Um, so they recreate what Alex has, has done mm-hmm. in two dimensions mm-hmm. as in three dimensions. Um, I'm sure they'll maybe tweak or add things here and there, but it, we're 
the plan is just to remain as true as possible to the original drawings. Um, once it's rendered as a 3D model, uh, and once each character is rendered as a 3D model, then it becomes really fast and easy. Oh, sure. To just animate it. Because, yeah, um, you can just, once you have the thing, you can move yeah, it around. Yeah, Alex has want. already created the backgrounds. So, it w- and we've got the audio, um, you know, pre mixed. Um, so then it would just be a question of them animating to the audio. And the computer, they tell the computer what to do, and the, you know, the computer will move the mouth and move the arms and legs around and color it as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, it's just waiting to get these, these characters modeled. And then, of course, we add, uh, I think they call it a, a 2D shading. Mm-hmm. Which is a filter that basically then makes it look like a regular 2D cartoon, like The Simpsons. They they use the same process. Right, right, right. So, I, again, I've, the yeah, thing I've got to learn the most is patience. Yeah, you look. <laughs> you look at first few seasons of Simpsons or other other cartoons like that, and when a char- when you see a character from an angle or do a 3D a 3D uh, you know spin around, it looks very different. Whereas now you do a 3D spin around on a character. And it's more perfect. It looks more like like a two D drawing, you know, animation of a of a, an actual physical character. Yeah, yeah. So that's Beavis and Butthead was the same way. You, you see the first, you see Beavis and Butthead, and any time that they're staring straight on, you're like, whoa, that does not look right. <laughs> that was I. I remember that show. I love that show. Um, but yeah, anyway. So so that's so we'll see. Like I said, uh, the biggest thing I'm, I'm picking up from all of this is patience. Which has never been a strong point of mine. Did you have um, cartoony influences as a kid? I, I know that, that you have a lot of, obviously, Doctor Who, etc., and growing up, you know, Space 1999, we've mentioned that before, but you had a lot of sci-fi, comedy, and uh, and other elements of Gen Z that influenced you toward creating this thing, but did you have a cartoon influence as well? Or is it just that that's the medium you chose? There wasn't really a cartoon influence. I mean, I, I liked cartoons as a kid, um, and you know, growing up now, uh, being grown up now, um, I like stuff like South uh, South Park is mm-hmm. really smart. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, The Simpsons, when it started, was you know unmissable television. But right. that was I don't know twenty years ago, twenty twenty five um, years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not really been. It's been, it's been missable longer than it's been unmissable. Unfortunately, this yeah, point. I think I think probably. Ten years. Once, well, I, I think it's long. And I to me. and it's funny. Everybody thinks, "Oh, you must love the Simpsons because last name her." But uh, I never, I never thought that the Simpsons was as edgy and controversial and all that that it always was in the press and from people talking about it. And and I know a lot of people who worship the Simpsons think it's one of the best things ever made. But for me, it was I like it, but it was never anything that really grabbed me and compelled me to watch every week. Mm-hmm. Which is not, like I said, it's not to say that it's bad or I disliked it. It's just well, it, it wasn't. used to for me. But I, th- I think I tuned into it recently, like in the last year or so, just to see if it had gotten any better, and it had actually gotten worse. Which I was really surprised at because it was really, really bad the last time I looked at it. Well, when ago. I was a, when it, when it first came out, it's not when I was a kid. I was I was in my twenties when it came out, but. When it first came out, it seemed like the show was more about Bart. And then as time went on, the show was more about Homer. Right, right. And I was never that big of a fan of Homer. I because don't, I, to I didn't me, mind the, the... Right. But to me, Homer was every other sitcom dad. You know, fat guy married to a skinnier wife, and even though Marge was well, kind of sure. weird looking. But yeah. it's that whole thing of men behaving badly, which 
which only goes if I'm going to watch men behaving badly, they've got to have an accent. Like I, they have to be a Basil Fawlty or a, or a Bernard it. I didn't Black. Or it, it's shifting the focus to, to to Homer. In fact, I preferred it that way. Okay, uh, I just didn't care for it when it just stopped being funny. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like yeah. that's the reason you tune into a comedy. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, and see, for me, when when South Park came out, that was the show that was controversial. That th- that's the one that was really worthy of ruffling feathers. Of but worthy it's also it's and worthy and worthy. Yes, and worthy of parents being upset because you have eight year olds cussing. But at the same time, every single episode of that show, after the first half a season or full season run, every single episode of that show centers around some kind of controversial topic, and they present the one side, they present the opposing side, and then they always come at it from a third angle that nobody's talking about or nobody's figured out, and and make you go, oh, and make both sides look like assholes. And that's the, the essence of why I think that show works so well. That's true. Because they Very don't smart. they don't they don't pick one side or the other. They pick a third angle and go, Y'all are dicks and that's the way that show works and, and that's when that show is its best. But every time I watch again something because there's such a wealth of television, golden television out there and such a finite amount of time between all of what I have going on, I have to be very picky about what I have spend time watching. Have you ever seen Cold It's talking of old television? <laughs> the, 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 the prison series? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I didn't... I, I had... I've heard of it. I had never it watched it. It came out on DVD a while ago. Cold I, was a big deal in Britain. Huge Because there was the board game. David McCallum's co- yeah. co-started it. And I, I, I never saw it as a kid, but um, uh, I started watching and... It's, it's held up insanely well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, really good. Well, when you're doing a period, and I'm assuming this is like World War II cold, it's yeah, not, yeah. So, um, it, it, yeah, when you when you're doing a period piece like that, it's easier for a show like that to hold up because you don't have technology. It's, also, it's, it's not just that. I mean, there was a scene in the pilot where someone's doing a half. They're going to get from one place to another and then get back again. So they're not escaping yet, but they've got to move around the the camp you know yeah, in yeah, secret yeah, yeah. and they've got them on a roof and there's no music there's no incidental music because they didn't do a lot of that on British television right. back in the 70s and, and it's just a guy on a roof in the dark and it was still the, the suspense was palpable it was still oh, yeah. really amazingly yeah. done yeah um, so and I really need to sit down and watch more of those I watched like the first two or three huh. and I was like this is really good yeah yeah. I'm surprised at how, how it's just been lost to time. It's amazing how much European and world history and stuff that I know of because of British television. Mm-hmm. Mostly because of British comedies. Like, everything I know about European history is from Monty Python. You know, Cardinal Richelieu and, and, you know, I mean, just you name it. It's probably been in a Monty Python bit somewhere, and it's the only reason why I know anything about it. And the only reason why I know about Colditz is because of Eddie Izzard talking about it's playing Escape from... Cold, it's the board game because, and and it's like the what is it the, the there's some it's like doing blah 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 is like getting the blah 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 card from Escape the Cold from Cold, it's the board game and American I audience. I think I played it wow, once right too. over their head. And it was so complicated. Uh, it was never played again. Yeah, 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 yeah. It wasn't mine. It was some uh, someone else's. But but I mean, Escape from Cold, it's it, Cold, it's it's almost like the Brit the British version of of the Great Escape or or another version of the Great Escape or or. Escape from Alcatraz. That was that kind of like that British. There was like an icon thing for for. It seems like from you know. Oh, very much so. A, a dumb American perspective. Very but. much so. 
You made me think of another show now, uh, Ripping Yawns. Michael I love Cameron. Ripping Yawns. Michael Payne. Well, I didn't appreciate that as a kid because my my Python sensibilities wrapped much more around Cleese and Graham Chapman, the silly schoolboy, naughty mm-hmm. kind of, um, you know, what can we get away with kind of thing. Um, plus the the gay influence stuff, you know, that 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 Graham Chapman not so subtly wove into all the Python stuff. The Michael Palin stuff was good, but then you, as you get older, you realize that Michael Palin was the one who makes John Cleese laugh the most. Mm-hmm. That John Cleese thinks that Michael Palin's the funniest human being alive. And Ripping Yarns for me was a bit too deep divey into British culture past the point of other stuff that you've seen to where you needed to have grown up there in order to get a lot of what was going on. My, my close, one of my closest brushes with uh, television as a child um, was uh, they, ca- they cast one of the kids in my school as his son in the... Um, in the epi- I don't know if you've seen the episode where he's basically a, a big soccer fanatic, mm, mm. Uh, and his son in that was a kid that was in my school. Oh, okay, okay. Um, yeah, that was. I was. Uh, remember the story going around in school at the time was someone had seen him through the railings and picked him to be in the. But he obviously, he must have had an agent or something. Yeah, that, yeah. None yeah. of us ever knew about. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he's ever acted since. Actually, now I think about it, I should look him up on Facebook or IMDb. Um, but yeah, that was it. I, I remember thinking, I want to be an actor. That'd be nice. That'd be cool. Yeah. But we lived in Manchester, and it wasn't about to happen. No, no. Well, I going back to what I was talking about before about being the being the British, you know, the British Britcom nerd as a kid, and being able to do all the accents, and you, and you would have that fantasy of going to England and being able to talk. And and every British person I've ever met since I was a little kid, I'm always trying to show off my stupid accents to, and being a being a being a twat basically. <laughs> but but now realizing that if I was going to go to England. I should just be myself and be an American because then I'm the anomaly. Then there's well, there, there's everybody something. Everybody loves more. the accent on the other side of the fence. Yeah, it's true. That's true. Yeah, the Brit. Obviously, the Europeans have disdain about our government, but I think as people, unless you're the loud, obnoxious American, just going over and being nice to people and being an American that way um, is called being Canadian. But um, <laughs> I've just I've just found him. That's him. Oh wow. Okay. John Berlin, okay. John Berlin. Oh, you went so you went to school with him, and yeah. he was Michael Palin's son in Ripping Yarns during the Football Fanatics episode. Was that the one that started off with the pudding is so black, and I've never seen a pudding that black before? There's one episode where they're talking about he's just he's just going off and on and on and on about how black the pudding is. Some Maybe. there's a pudding in a pot over the fire. I yeah, Ripping Yarns as a so. kid, I just didn't get it because I I I it was it was a little more subtle and a little bit more culturally satirical rather than you know out and out funny or funny character thing it's like the episode the bicycle tour episode of Monty Python where you basically have oh god yeah yeah. so you got Palin on a bicycle going on and on you know chewing everyone's ear off about his bicycle tour of North Cornwall taking in Bude and blah 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 and that character is amusing and kind of wryly amusing and and an interesting character study but that character in and of itself isn't necessarily as inherently funny as some of the other stuff the wackiness stuff that mm-hmm. python did but then when he like winds up in russia and he's trying to teach them how to shoot so they can execute him and and you know blah 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 there there's 
it's one of those Python, one of those Palin characters that really is more of a caricature of of somebody who's like a real life person rather than a bigger caricature. So it's, there's subtlety to it. So for an American who didn't grow up there, at least for me anyway, it didn't it didn't hit home as as hard as some of the other stuff. I'm looking now. He did an episode of Last of the Summer Wine. Oh yeah, that's one of my father's favorite shows. He watched every single episode of that from the 70s all the way through till the end. Barnstoneworth, that was the character's name in Ripping Yard. <laughs> Barnstoneworth. That's a very British name. <laughs> oh, that was a blast from the past. Yeah. Thanks, iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> Phone. Um, do you get... In, you've been in America a long time. Do you find yourself ever going back and hitting up like any British TV since you moved over here, or are you mostly nostalgic for some of the stuff from when you oh, were no, a kid? I watch I I watch new British shows every single day of the week. Okay, okay, every single day of the week. Because there's two kind of schools things. of British expat. There's there's the still still like the stuff from home, still like the thing like that, and then there's the other people who really just like nope, fuck this. I'm I'm an American now. I'm not gonna you know. No, because I've run in a fair number of, Brit- of British expats who are just like, no, nope, yeah, I'm an American. I'm all about being oh, American. Uh, yeah. British television is fantastic. I think it's very yeah. stupid if you're going to cut yourself off from it. Um, I'm trying to think what I'm watching now that I'm loving. Happy Valley is is fantastic. I have heard of that. It's a, it's a drama. Okay, okay. Um, with Sarah Lancashire, uh, set in, in northern uh, eastern England, like Halifax. Um, that's rather gripping and gritty. There's a Halifax in England. Yes. Okay, I didn't. I only yeah. knew of Halifax, Nova Scotia. Oh yeah. Well, imagine every single town in America was at some point in England. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, Nova Scotia means New Scotland, so. <laughs> oh, I did not know that. That's yeah. hysterical. Yeah, it's in New um, Scotland. Yeah. God, what else am I watching there that, right now that I'm actually enjoying? Do you know what? It took me seven seasons. I haven't watched. I I watched it when it first came out. I, I mean, I watched five minutes of the first episode. Didn't get it, and then watched a best of season six and suddenly got it so i've missed six seasons um but goggle box it's a reality show oh and it's a it's about it's it's different people different families and Mm -hmm. friends watching television so it's like it's basically capturing the shared experience it's all the shows that aired that week so you know if you're in england you're watching all the shows you're at least familiar with them and all the, they pick these different families that have got these such great personalities, and or, or just maybe it's two friends, or it's two, you know, whatever uh, combination you can think of. And um, so it's clips from shows that they're watching mm-hmm. that aired that week, mm-hmm. uh, along with their you know in-person commentary. It's just absolutely delightful. I'm huh. I'm loving it. Huh. I'm loving it. It's silly, but it's I mean it's not like so it's, it's like it's like everyday Joe Blow. Uh, Brit Britain watching telly and talking about it. Yeah, huh. but like really well done. I mean that that is yeah, yeah, what yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. But but um, I kind of I've, I I kind of bummed that I've missed six whole seasons of this. I'm sure you could go back and download it. So. Um, I looked and it's like you know, but it, it's uh, if it was just like one button per season, I'd do it. But there's been a lot of British stuff that I've watched. Black Mirror. Um, yeah, it's great. I started Orphan Black. My wife stuck with that. I didn't. Um, Me neither. I, I got two or three episodes in, and I was just and like, I like it. And obviously Doctor Who, but you know, and Capaldi is is. I uh, we'll get back to Doctor Who in a minute. We can go on and on about that for a day, but um, but yeah, there's a few British shows, and what I keep going back to is British comedy, and and 
finding new little gems to, was a, to watch. A new one just finished airing. It was a six-episode series called Crashing. And uh, it was a flat-sharing uh, comedy. It was, it was some hospital that's out of use, so people are squatting in it. Oh, okay, okay. And um, the concept isn't, you know... I mean, like Jen said, it's not particularly original. A bunch of, you know, younger people living together. But there was something about the way these characters were written and portrayed. And mm-hmm. These actors were really good. Yeah, Brita, the British the, I stuff, really they, like this series. They do real character study well, stuff. Well, and oftentimes you have to watch one episode. I remember, I remember the very first time I saw The Young Ones. And I remember thinking, this is the weirdest, most unfunny sh- piece of shit I've ever seen. Um, and then watch the second episode, and because you need to watch the first one to just to get yeah, it, yeah, yeah, to yeah. be introduced, to just yeah. And this is what it episode, is. Now we're it. going to make you laugh. And then uh, here are these people. And the irony is, is that episode that I saw, the very first one, was the University Challenge episode. It's one of the funniest they ever did. Oh, but yeah. watching it that first yeah, time, yeah, yeah. The like, first one uh, I ever saw was was Demolition. The one where they destroy the house. The house is going to be knocked down by the council. That's the first one I ever saw. And it might be the I was first about to one. Say, isn't that the first one? I think one? that is the first one, but that was the first one I ever saw. Oh, yeah. But that's the one with... I mean, there's so many... Well, every show... The show is very dense. There's only, again, it's just like Faulty Towers and like 12 episodes or whatever. So, right. But every every... Every episode is very dense and feels like four or five different episodes. And you go, oh no, all these things were in that one show. Mm-hmm. And and just the crazy amount of absurd, just crazy bullshit nonsense that are in those episodes. And then a band shows up because they, they figured out they could get more money from BBC Two if they have, had a variety no, show. No, it, was, it wasn't that they could get more money. They couldn't get a deal for a comedy show. Oh, they had to get a deal some, for a variety show. So they had to oh, go okay. in and a find thing. a back door. Oh, okay. Well, it was money in that they couldn't get picked up, period. Right, 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 right. Um, but they, so then all of a sudden somebody says a phrase that sounds like a band, and boom, the band's playing in the kitchen. Yeah, because they couldn't, they, couldn't get on, brilliant. Uh, they couldn't get on as a comedy. Fucking Obviously, brilliant. it's not drama. And so. then you ha- it's, it's one of those things where it's like this alchemy of different elements, because you have the main four characters, then you have bands come on, and then you have the puppets, but then you have Alexi Sale doing his own thing in the middle, just dropping a bomb of him of his thing in the middle Dude, of all this was, other stuff. that's one of the main influences of, uh, of Gen Z. Oh, oh uh, uh, the young, young ones? One. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Just, um, just because of the fast switching to different it things. Was, it was and, that and Spaced. Those are the two oh, main yeah, influences yeah. On, uh, on Gen Z. Again, another great character study driven well, All these flights of fancy too. And um, um, at one point I was like, oh, you know, this could be animated. And it became animated. But, uh, oops. Um, but yeah, those those two shows are the, are the strongest influences. Okay, okay. Uh, I like the idea of The Young Ones was live action was a live action cartoon. Oh, totally. And totally. Gen Z the the difference is, is Gen Z is a is cartoon live action. Sure. Uh you know, it, yes it's cartoon, but it's there's some like I said before, there's, there's a lot of things that are really da, da, da. really yeah, grounded the, the, the car- in, in Yeah, it's very grounded. Real real life, very right? Very grounded. Right. So, um Oh my god, the young ones was just. Blurry. I was pretty fucked up when Rick Mail died. Oh, it was horrible. Really horrible. That was absolutely uh, terrible. Unexpected, he was a, he was tragic. a big big influence for me, and I mean, I went around, you know, probably when I was thirteen, fourteen. On top of telling people I was a time lord, I was also <laughs> running around not pronouncing my R's because <laughs> you know that real thing of you know the oh Rick yeah Rick 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 Rick, Rick, Rick. Uh, put Neil yes yes put Neil put Neil <laughs> God yeah and I the poetry him. and the lentils and the he oh. was doing a comedy just before he passed yeah yeah um, where did he you, played the father did you ever see Believe Nothing 
No, what's that one? Oh, I have a gem for you. Oh, okay. Rick Mail is the smartest man on the planet. He he plays a, a character named Adonis Knute. C N U T. Oh, look at this! Is, I've never seen this, uh, but it's it. now it's familiar. I, I have is it. Is it funny? It's fucking. Oh my god! It it makes me piss myself laughing. Oh, it's I have so to funny. See this. So he's the smartest man. He's a quadruple professor at Queens College, Cambridge, uh-huh. and he he gets asked to join the Illuminati to basically be one of the men, one of the you know secret society of people who secretly rule the world. Oh, and it's and he has this. This incredibly loyal, doting butler who will cut himself, give a blowjob, whatever, to his master, played by this amazing character actor I've never seen in anything else. And then you have the the love interest that he's after, and he's just this complete, pretentious, ridiculous prick being utterly Rick Mayle. And it's horribly offensive. It's terrible, racist. What's it it called again? It's called Believe Nothing. And it's just the, it's just so goddamn good. It's, it's so raunchy and nasty and it's so funny. It's like bottom grew up, you know? It's like that level of, of, but there's no Ed Edmondson in it anywhere. Although he may have shown up in one episode. But I think, but there's other people like Mike Machine, you know, American. Is that the, uh, the, the side Yes, that's the butler. Oh my god. Michael Maloney. He's so goddamn good as the butler in that. His, and his name is Albumin. <laughs> Which is egg whites, <laughs> right? Well, he's he's currently uh, appearing in Mr. Selfridge. Oh, okay. Which I still need to go back and watch. A lot of I I Utopia. Quite, we did three episodes in Utopia. I quite like Jeremy Piven when he's not playing a, a bro. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, you got to see Believe Nothing. It's fucking amazing. I will check it out. Who's he's, he's done a lot. I've got guy. I've got it all on on the computer, and uh, I also have some on DVDs as well. Um, but it was only six episodes because they canceled the shit canned it. But they put out full, he took out full page ads in the Radio Times and it said, uh, uh, um, Rick Mail is a Canute and the Canute is spelled C N U T. So you right. look and it looks like a cunt, but so great. Um, Hi everyone, it's Michael. I just wanted to jump in here with a special offer for you, the listeners of the Something Something Experience podcast. Audible.com is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I personally recommend The Smartest Book in the World by former guest and friend of the podcast, Greg Proops. It's a rollicking reference guide to the most essential areas of knowledge in Proops' universe, from the noteworthy names of the ancient world and baseball, to the movies you must see, and the albums you must hear. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash something2xp. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash something2xp for your free audiobook. If you sign up using that URL, they'll give us a little something in return, and you'll be supporting an independent podcast just like that. Thanks for listening, and now, back to the show. Yeah, I watched Bottom, we watched, what was the other the other um, one that he and Ed Edmondson did right after the oh, young Filthy ones? Rich and Cat filthy, Flap. Oh, God, Filthy Rich and Cat Flap. I only discovered that a couple years ago, and I love it. There's another one, too, though, the one with the theater... Where they're like, where they like, own, they own a, th- a movie theater or something, and it was the something presents the lighthouse presents the something house presents. I'm anyway, not sure. it sounds vaguely yeah, familiar, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. yeah. But anything with Rick Mail and 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 um, 
you know, we watched, uh, yeah, we watched it. It was great because MTV in the 80s, I didn't have cable, but my friend did. And MTV in the 80s was playing back-to-back Python and the young ones every afternoon after school. Mm-hmm. So we'd come home, I'd go to my friend's house, we would watch Python, an episode of Python and an episode of, of the young ones. And then I'd go home for to do homework and dinner if I ever did my homework. Those were the days. I was I was a really hardcore Python nerd to the point where people would say, "Oh yeah, dead parrot." I'm like, "Get the fuck out of my face with this dead parrot bullshit. Give me, give me show five. Give me <laughs> Ewan McTeagle's poetry. Give me exploding animals and and uh, you know hijacking a hijacking a bus to Cuba and and you know I mean give me and and I want to learn how to fly an airplane and and you know that kind of stuff. No, the, I know. The I real... can't stand it when people just go to the, the of the course. Well, because that's what. Ama- but I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I, uh, how nice that you've how adorable Pat Pat. Pat, that you've seen Monty Python live at the Hollywood Bowl, but give me give me some of the deep divey stuff. You know, give me the the um, you know Lake Paho in the middle of Runcorn Avenue. Give me you know that Scott of the Antarctic. You know, Mr. Hilter. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Hilter. <laughs> Which I think was a direct influence on Lolo and the the one you know they got the one guy who the, the German who has the real stereotypical German you know you know that German voice. Um, that's a good show. I've been going back and watching too. I need to, uh, I, yes, I, I revisited that. Well, I should say revisited. I saw it for the first time like about seven or eight years ago, and I thought it was uh, it was really funny. I just need to Lloyd. Was it Lloyd and and Sears? Lloyd and Spears who did that? And and are you being served? And Mrs. Yeah, Noah. No, I'm, I'm and blanking on the name right Those now. two guys that, that that produced and wrote all those shows. But Alo really. Again, it because it's a period piece. It's and one they're of bringing those, back. Are you being served? Yeah, that's going to be Although weird. Because everybody's dead. dead. Everybody's so dead. No Trevor one, Bannister's dead. No Molly one is Sugden. being served because everyone's dead. Did Molly Sugden die finally? Uh, I think she might still be alive. I don't know. I will check as check you're your compo- check your Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, that old thing. That was another thing that that we didn't have in America that the Brits had was radio shows. We that stopped in the in the fifties. Once TV hit in the fifties, boom, that was it. No more radio dramas, and we would listen to National Public Radio and hear Hitchhiker's Guide to the she Galaxy. She did indeed die. She did. Two thousand nine. Oh wow, wow, that was a while ago. Because I remember her being on little an episode of Little Britain. That yeah. was a while ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember when I, when I was a kid, so I was about 10 or so, my parents bought me a transistor radio, which is about the size of an iPhone, sure. but obviously a lot thicker. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had a little they, pocket they would too. send me to bed at the most ridiculously stupid hours, presumably because they just didn't want to see us. <laughs> of course. Because I, I can't think of any other reason why it was so early. But what, what it did for me was, um, was I, I discovered my own little world that they weren't a part of mm-hmm. and that was radio yeah. and I would put the radio I'd set it to Radio 4 mm-hmm. and I think about 10 if I remember memory serves about 10pm every night Radio 4 at the time would have a comedy that would be their comedy half hour sure. or whatever and I'd put it under my pillow so it would be the radio my pillow my head and it would be on very low and I could literally put my head on the pillow and hear it and nobody would know I was nice. listening to the radio nice. or anything, and um, and so I got introduced to some uh, some grown up comedy. Not nothing rude because it was still like Goons you know. or something. Uh, oh or no, no, that no, after no. Your, that's after that's Goons was time. well before my okay. time. Um, I remember. I think I remember like a Hello Cheeky, okay, which ran yeah, for a yeah. hundred years. Yeah. Um, and then there was other. There's some other stuff that I don't remember what it was. 
or you know just what it was a show that was on at the time but I remember you know starting to discover there were a few world. sketchy radio things in the 70s and 80s you know your Firesign Theater and your National Lampoon Radio Hour which was only a half hour um, stuff like that in America that continued on it was kind of more subversive you know counterculture kind of stuff but there wasn't that general mainstream radio thing after once TV hit. I mean, no. pretty much once I Love Lucy was on no, the air, that was it. It's still going strong over there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's also well, a fertile all... breeding ground for TV show pilots. Little sure. Britain. Yeah, you Little know, Britain. You my Little Britain. That began as a radio um, show. Oh, there's another one, too. Little Britain and... Um, oh, League of Gentlemen. League of Gentlemen. There's so many. I love League of Gentlemen. I love everybody on that show. That's a fantastic show. Mark Gatiss and... and um, and they've all shown up on Doctor Who too. <laughs> um, God, what a great show that was! That was a great weird, show. weird. There was it was great because during the nineties, Comedy Central was playing a lot of British British stuff. Yeah, you could see Python and blah blah blah, but I already had all the Python on tape, um, uh, and now I have the DVDs. But um, you you'd see a little a, a League of Gentlemen. You would see a, a a Green Wing, or you'd see a Black Books, or you'd see um, oh God. Smack the Pony. Uh, I like British sketch shows, like repertory sketch. I love that stuff. And oh, well, I Smith really... and Jones is my favorite of the sketches. What? Smith and Alas, Smith yeah, and Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, they they did uh, like the nineties was a, was a real golden age too of comedy. Oh, um, sure. And I th- so a lot of the shows you mentioned kind of got their start there. Um, but there was uh, you just reminded me what was on recently that aired in England um, was a brand new season. Of Alan Partridge's mid mid morning matter. Oh, I love anything with Alan Partridge. So six Hell, new, oh, oh. yeah, six new <laughs> half hour episodes of that were on. Oh, fantastic! So I watched those just the other week, uh, and you know it's Alan Partridge. It's, it's genius. Coogan's a genius. He's fucking a genius. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just every I mean, there's a few people that that work on. It's not just Coogan, but um, right, 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 right. Um, but it's. Um, but I love that's a right. that's a that's a character that I think is better done British than American because they've tried to do that thing of the buffoon who thinks he's amazing, who has a career in spite of himself, who sur- manages to survive in show business or or succeed in spite of the fact that he is a complete a hole. I like my assholes British. I like my assholes <laughs> British or Scottish. I have to have an accent. I never could watch Seinfeld. I never could watch Larry David. I never could watch shows like that. It has to be a Basil Fawlty or a Bernard oh, Black I do, or an I, Alan I do Partridge. Like the, I mean, I used to like Seinfeld. And I do like Herb. But um, Coogan, uh, uh, Alan Partridge is just a really original, smart, brilliant character. Oh, yeah. A yeah. brilliant creation. Yeah, yeah And yeah. watching... Um, these most recent six episodes. Um, well, it's just all that stuff. The no, knowing me, knowing you, and the other. I mean, I just. I, it's one of those ones I just watch over and over and over again. And and um, uh, what's her name? Uh, uh, shit, I can't think of her name right now. So here's an, here's another couple of comedy shows. See if you tell me uh, tell me if you've seen these. Um, it was right after they did um, Father Ted. <gasps> they did the sketch show. Um, Big Train. Big Train. I love And they Big also train. did a six-episode series starring Simon Pegg called Hippies. 
I never saw Hippies. Hippies is fucking hysterical. Okay. I have watched that All right. over and over and over. And see, I can watch Big Train. Anything Graham Linehan Big does, train, I anything can watch. Graham Linehan has touched is, is fucking magic to Big me. Big Train I can watch over and over again. He's too. my favorite writer, director, guy in, in oh, Britain. He's, he's a genius. Black I, Books, I IT Crowd, work. Big Train, Father Ted... Um, fucking uh, oh god! What's the other one with the 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 old comedy duo? Dad dies, son comes to oh oh uh, um yeah 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 Lord see. something. I can see the face Duke something that, Lord well that something. and that began as a radio series. Yes 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 yes. But that yes. wasn't a, a Lenahan show. That was uh, the guy who created. Well, the it show. is now though. The, right, the but TV I'm saying, show. I'm right, saying right, originally yeah. it was Steve. Uh, well, it's the guy. It's the guy who's in it. Yeah, because originally they did the radio show of that TV show of the of the original show that is takes place the show within the show that was the radio show, I think. And no, then the, the radio show was 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 just it was the radio show was the TV show is based on the radio show. The radio show is is the old man pootling around doing his right stuff. Oh, okay, it's okay. not that much. Different I'll put the, me, I'll put my trousers on. <laughs> to the, the TV show is is um, they they try to ground it a little bit more with the. Uh, they added in the, the character that, um, oh, I'm blanking on his name. They added a, a new character in. But the radio, I found the radio show actually a lot funnier than mm-hmm, the TV mm-hmm, series. Mm-hmm. Um, Count Arthur Strong. That's it. That's it. That's um, it. And that's from But anything that Graham Linnan touches is just fucking amazing. I think he's, it just, the he, he has a comic sensibility. Well, he did. He worked on a, he found this Irish troupe off of like YouTube. Yeah. And they did one episode of this, uh, you know, crazy Irish family. Um, I wish I could remember the name of it. Maybe it was two or three episodes, or maybe it was just the one. It was like a few years ago. And that was really, really smart and funny. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but so, yeah, Linehan is, is kind of a genius. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to whatever he's got next. Yeah. Whatever he does next. Yeah. But um, Hippies. Well, he also worked, didn't hippies. he also work on first series of Little Britain, too? I thought he worked on one of those. Maybe, maybe. in the background. Maybe. Something, but, but you're gonna he, see hippies with Simon Pegg. Okay, I gotta it see hippies. So but but good. Graham, I mean, there's something about Graham. I mean, Father Ted, he he does these things that are really singularities. He takes things that could be very tropey and very derivative of other things, and he turns them into singularities. Things that are completely unique. I mean, the IT crowd. There's really nothing else like that. First season of Black Books is really nothing else. The like Walshes. That. that was it. Was a mini series, three episodes. The Walshes. That was the Irish thing. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Big Train, the, the comedy on that. I know the performers in that show didn't do any of the writing. Um, it was Graham Linehan and, and a, another couple of people. I think Peg, Simon Pegg wrote a few uh, of the sketches here and there. But for the most part, they were just performers. They weren't writer-performers. But just that Kevin Eldon, oh my God. Mm. When he shows up as the cleaner in Black Books. He's brilliant. I love Kevin Eldon so much. And I like I like a couple of the Simon Pegg movies that weren't part of the Cornetto trilogy, like Run Fat Boy Run and um Well, Kevin Eldon shows up in all the Cornetto movies too. Well at least in he's in Hot Fuzz. Was he in was he in I think he's somewhere in World's End. But yeah. World's End was great and very underrated. Um, I think I think American audiences are able to wrap their head around um uh, 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 Shaun of the Dead and and mm-hmm. uh, Hot Fuzz because the two guys in Hot Fuzz lo- f- love American cop movies so much that that's the bridge. But the third one, that whole thing of pubs and pub culture and 
what it was like to be a teenager in the nineties. Yeah, end? World's End. Yeah, World's end. what it, what it's like to be uh uh you know in your late teens in the in the mid nineties. You know, he's dressed like Andrew Eldritch and blah blah blah, and and. and we got some of that music over here, and obviously, if you're into alternative culture, or goth culture, you knew all of that. That whole soundtrack just, just you know, beat you over the head and was awesome. But for American audiences, a lot of people just like, whoosh, maybe they heard Tokoloshi Man, maybe they heard one of the songs by, by Sisters of Mercy or something. But it wasn't as big of a big of a thing. I think that movie was less accessible for American audiences. But I, I, it's one of those ones I, I just don't think I bought it yet, and I want to see it again. But. I need to rewatch some of those films. I haven't seen them in years. Oh yeah, Cornetto trilogy is amazing, and and the one, the big one in America, everybody talks about Shaun of the Dead because the zombie culture thing. It's a mm-hmm. huge thing mm-hmm. here. Did you ever see the Dead Set? Oh, um, uh, Charlie Brooker. Yeah, yeah, it was yes, because uh, I love Big Brother. So, right, exactly, um, exactly. Was, uh, that was a nice. It was fantastic. an interesting mashup of an idea of, of ideas. And I'm glad they didn't... Although, didn't they do a Dead Set 2? I think they did no. another one. No? No, just the one. I thought they did another one. But anyway, but that scene where... Something you'd never see in an American show. The guy, like, takes a shit in a, in a trash can in the middle of a zombie apocalypse. And he, it's like... And you, that, would, that would just never happen in, in America. Well, I was, it was also a great commentary on the fact that, you know... We watch Big Brother like we're zombies. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? uh, totally, totally. We totally. do, because I do. I love it. Totally. I love Big Brother. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've, yeah. Uh, I just turned my girlfriend onto it. She watched Celebrity Big Brother over the dis- uh, the January run, and uh, now she's uh, she's hooked on it. Yeah, because, I mean, uh, reality TV is huge in Britain, too, but I think in a different way, or different reasons. Well, Big Brother specifically is very different to the American show. The American one, I cannot... I've tried it now three times. Yeah. Uh, and each one I couldn't get past five, ten minutes. Yeah. Um, but I realize now why. Um, the American one is all about competition. That's that's it. It's nothing else. Yeah. Whereas the English one is psychological, yeah. and they're just yeah. they're just. It's like watching ant, like one of those little ant farms through glass. Yeah. And then every once in yeah. a while, Big Brother just shakes it up, yep. and you just yep. watch yep. those ants run yep. around like crazy. I like the fact that they did like a futuristic Doctor Who episode and from oh uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Eccleston's season. Yeah, that, that was, was pretty good. That was funny. The Mighty Jagrafess. Um, but yeah, and it's even been Again, featured in extras. Pig. In extras, oh, yeah, yeah. they they did a, an episode in a Big Brother house. It's, it's I went really back and watched great. that Bowie episode after we talked about it at the at the Bowie Bowie podcast. Chubby little fat man. <laughs> yeah, and he wrote. He wrote um, Gervais wrote the lyrics. Uh, uh-huh, of course, yeah. And Bowie just sang it. Said, "Sure, yeah, I'll do it. Whatever you want." Hello, I'm David Bowie. <laughs> yeah, genius. yeah, yeah. Extras wasn't as big in America as it should have been, but you know, again, I don't know. It's it's American television is weird, and for and and there is a wealth of amazing TV, but there's also a, a, an even bigger wealth of utter shite. And I guess that's everywhere, but because we only get the creme de la creme from Britain, but and apparently vice versa. I mean, I, I, I mean, know uh, that trust me, there's plenty of crap on British television. Oh, sure, sure, yeah, plenty yeah, yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. There's so many shows I'll download. I'm like, oh, okay, maybe this will be good. And ten minutes, and I'm like, next, next, never yeah. watching you again. Yeah, well, that's the way a lot of like network TV is now. But it, it, but there's so much genre TV out now in America that that. We are, we're always finding things to watch. And have, have you ever seen Fresh Meat? I've heard of it. Fresh yeah. Meat was uh, was done by the guys that did Peep Show, oh. and the first season Mitchell was and really no 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 the writers of, oh okay of, uh, the, not the actors of it um, Sam Bain is his name one of them anyway uh, the first season of that absolutely great for college students 
in Manchester. Another flat share type, you know, nothing particularly geniusly um, uh, original about it. Mm -hmm. But really good cast. Yeah. And uh, I think the fourth season and final uh, is just starting air now. It's gotten so bad that um, the second episode just aired, and I, t I did something I've, I haven't done with the show yet. I turned it off midway through, and I'm not, I won't be watching the rest of them. Wow, yeah, it yeah, just yeah. it's like there's a lot of British, there's a lot of American, even genre genre shows in America. I've completely given up on, and I America has gotten to this trend of of bleak, hopeless. Uh, you know, dread porn. Basically, I can't watch <laughs> Walking Dead anymore. I can't watch Game of Thrones anymore. Nobody's ever fucking happy on those shows. Game of Thrones, I, st I enjoy the, I the Walking Dead. I, I I marathoned the first three seasons, two se three seasons. Two yeah, about seasons. halfway through season three, I finished. Well, it's I'm so bleak. Yeah, it's that so I've nobody's not, ever happy I've on not that really show. Been it's like watching a soap opera. Nobody's ever fucking happy, and I I I want happy. Well, I how want can comedy. You be? I the want, zombies yeah, have yeah, eaten yeah, yeah, everyone. Yeah, I want, I want comedy. I want to feel good at the end of a show. I want, you know, even, even you can have conflict, you can have drama, you can have people being besought with despair, but have something, a, a light at the end of the tunnel. Have something for them to look forward to. Jessica Jones. I mean, she's you know a, a survivor of rape and mind control and and so many horrible things. She's an alcoholic and she's depressed and it's just all these awful things keep happening and she perpetuates all these awful things that happen to other people and all this stuff. But then at the end, she wins and was able and is able to walk away and go back to creating a life for herself. There's mm -hmm. there's some sense of semblance of hope at the end of it and. You know, Daredevil and other shows like that too, but you know, I just can't watch people be miserable over and over and over again. It's like watching a soap opera. Nobody's ever happy. Well, and life's just not like that. I gotta have some kind of balance. If I'm gonna spend, take time out of my life, and I wanna, I wanna escape from the, the drudgery and the despair of everyday life, and I wanted to escape well, you to. You wanna see that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, there's sure. not a train. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah okay. you know, but there's, Big train. There's, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Jessica Jones, I enjoyed, but I thought, I don't know, it was still missing something because she acted like a brat half the time. And I'm like, you don't seem like a post traumatic stress survivor. You just seem like a, an angry, emo 15 year old. So in, in some scenes here and there. Did you watch the whole series? Yeah. Okay. And it could have been two or three episodes shorter as well. But I think that, I think that they got to the point where they were able to show enough that had happened to her to turn her that way. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm saying she didn't act it. I'm saying, I'm not saying it wasn't present in the storyline. I'm saying it wasn't present in the acting. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, it was, it was more emo brat acting than it was someone that had suffered through all those horrible things. But even, even if I wouldn't, she was sulking. Yeah, 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 yeah. And but I just even, found that but a even, little but okay. unbelievable and for someone who's gone through all those things. Absolutely fair enough. And I myself, well, I've been prone to sulking a time or two, but I myself wouldn't necessarily have acted in the way that she did based on those things that have happened, because those things haven't happened to me, obviously. But I, from a, from a feminist perspective, I was very much on board with... Yeah, no, fucked up shit happened to her, and she's just going to be who she is, and I was okay with that. I let a lot of that go because ultimately she pulled out of it. I mean, I don't she, know. for me, it was like I, it's well written character, it's well developed. You know, we're, we're seeing and hearing what she's been through. Mm -hmm. 
and the actress portraying that character to me wasn't doing a believable enough job some of the time. All right. You know. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I like Kristen Ritter. I've only ever, up until this, I'd only ever seen her in comedy. And I don't know. I guess I've known enough women like that that I've actually liked personally in life to be able to forgive that character a bit. So, for well, me... Well, again, it's not the character. It's well, the, the, the portrayal. The the portrayal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. The, the actress behind it that um, yeah. wasn't over the moon with. I mean, she was good in most of it. Yeah. But she was not good in enough of it that it... That it Took you out of it. Yeah. Right. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Um... Did you see Sense8? Have we talked about Sense8? No, I've only... I've seen the first two episodes. Sense8... I hear it all kicks in in, like, episode three or something. It's a very slow burn. The first three, maybe even three and a half episodes, are all character building. It's all... These are these people. Mm -hmm. This is their struggles. This is... This is deep dive into each one of their stories. Yeah. To give you a huge three-dimensional background into each one of these characters... And you get little whiffs and glimmers of what is happening to them as you go, and it just builds and builds and builds and builds, and you get more information, more information, and more things happen, and more things happen. And it's the longest, slowest character-building burn on a show like that of, of any kind that I've ever seen. And to me, it ultimately paid off in spades. And you get to the end and you so just can't wait for next season to see mm, what, what I happens. Need to, I need to watch that, a, a, that. Give it a second shot. Go. Pa- it's a very slow burn. You know what? It's, when did it come out? Because I'd have to probably... It came go- out last year. Right. So I have to go back and watch the first three episodes sure. again. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So but there was so much representation happening in 2015 that I was really very happy about. Um, I talk about this all the time on the podcast of... of representation of women, people of color, uh, LGBTQ, and uh, uh, intersectionality of, of that. And and I think it's really important. I've seen less of it in 2016, still pretty early in 2016. A lot of that stuff that came out last year that was that way came out after May, after the blockbuster period of... Mm-hmm. of of the year started, and we're not there yet. We're still yeah, a couple so months off a couple of months for So give it a couple more months. But... Um, so far, I'm I'm absolutely loving season two of uh, of um, Agent Carter. Um, oh, I haven't I, I haven't seen that. I saw the pilot. But yeah, I seen Agent Carter that. first season was really really good. You had a time period that was notorious for being all about white people, all about white men, mm-hmm. and the show subverts that the character subverts all of that. That you know, this character in the in the army was a complete war hero, secret agent, war hero, um, and now she has to go back and work a regular um, agency job in mm-hmm. you know in the civilian world back in America, and she's treated like a woman, like you know men treating women did back then. But they talk about that here and there, and they have little nuances and things. And there's something that happens in the very very last episode that really, really puts it sets it right down on the table and gives you a good feeling about the character and and having to survive in that world that misogynist Mm. world and it's carried over very well into series two series two season two is a little bit more disjointed there's a lot more happening in season two and it's a little bit 
some of the balls are kind of thrown up in the air quite a bit in terms of the plot and what's actually happening. But overall, it's still an enjoyable ride. It's an enjoyable experience. And we're, we're eight episodes in now. Nine and ten just came out, uh, over the weekend or Friday, Saturday night, whatever night it comes out. So we're a couple of episodes behind right now, but it's, it's been really enjoyable. And there's still, it's still a good feminist character, good mm-hmm. feminist voice. And there are more people of color and more women in the show. And, um, they brought in some other characters that are, and good character actors that I like too. So. I will check that out at some point. Yeah, yeah, and it's another good Marvel property. I like I like what Marvel's doing these days. Have you seen Deadpool? No, not yet. I can't recommend that enough. It's so, it's my favorite Marvel thing now. It's like between that and Jessica Jones are my two favorite Marvel things. Mm-hmm. That might that's not a selling point for you, I know, but no, Jessica Jones. I like that made me go back and reread the comic because right. I read the original yeah. Bendis's original when it came out. Um, and so it just sent me back. I to, loved it. Uh, Tenant. <clears throat> I think I told you I got the uh, for Christmas. I bought myself my most favorite Christmas present ever, which was an Amazon Fire. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's only because I wanted for years. I've wanted something to read comic books on, and I'd had. Uh, if you saw the graphic novel collection I have, it's it's really ludicrously huge, and. Um, um, I think I over, I OD'd on comics. I actually, yeah. by yeah. the by the late two thousands, I'd OD'd on comics, and I kind of stopped reading them. Yeah, um, and um, and so everything was piling up, and I, you know, not really reading anything, and then um, and then I got this fire, and I've been putting comic books on it, and I've been so it's a combination of. Finding stuff that's been brilliant, you know, some great new stuff over mm-hmm. the last mm-hmm. fifteen years or so, ten years, and as well as catching up and um, re- rereading old stuff. Like I- I've been piling two thousand ads on there um, from my youth, yeah, uh, and and just discovering new new things as well. Cool, like Saga. And, oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna a lot of talk about Saga on blank this. On all the, but I put Jessica Jones on there. I've been reading. I, I, I'd read uh, three of Bendis' graphic novels of his Daredevil run. Daredevil run. I'm not having a stroke as I'm talking. Um, oh, maybe no, I, I can have. see your hands. <laughs> um, but that's... The, I'm, I'm like, I'm rarely uh, two feet away from my... Uh, my fi- or fiery, as I've dubbed him. Um, I'm really two feet away from it at any given moment. I'm just in love with it. That's cool. That's cool. You know. So, any recommendations on comic books and the graphic novels? I, I'm well out of the comic world know. these days. I'm I'm relying on TV and movies of co- about comic book shows to fill those gaps for me. I just don't have time. I don't have time. I d- reading is the one thing in my life I See, don't ever well, have you, time for. When I'm on the the public, uh, the subway and the bus. It's perfect. I yeah. sit and read. I if I go places now, I'll go early so I can sit at a coffee shop and read for a bit before I have to do whatever it is I'm there to do. The thing I consume most is podcasts. I, I'm in the car. That's what I'm doing is listening to yeah, podcasts. Well, yeah, I, I have probably a dozen different podcasts that I subscribe to, and fortunately, a few of them are in hiatus. Like almost. Have you been listening to? Excuse me. Have you been listening to the second season of Serial? I got about three episodes in and was bored to tears. I don't 
I don't like military stuff. I don't like any of that. And my I've not heard anything about it. Yeah, I mean, the first season it was everywhere, and I enjoyed it's it. It's Bo Bergdahl's story, and it's unfolding as we as they go. And as much as the the did he or didn't he, you know, story of the first season, the second season of a guy going AWOL and being captured by Al-Qaeda and escaping or, you know, being let go eventually. It was just like, <laughs> you know, I just not, not in my wheelhouse whatsoever. Um, you know, I think the military is necessary. I salute the people who go and fight and do the thing that they need to do. I feel really, really badly for them that we have people in power that, that send us to unnecessary wars and are constantly waging unnecessary war around the world. Um, uh, but, I, it just, I, it held no interest for me whatsoever. And again, it's that thing of, I have finite time. I need to concentrate on the things that that hit more check boxes for me mm-hmm. up the list. I have to stay very, very high on my list of must must consume uh, because there's just not enough time for the stuff that's okay. Sure. Sure. So, um, I know the feeling well for me. James Bonding ended uh, because, you know, they're basically done until the next Bond movie comes out in four years or whatever. Um, uh, they went all the way through uh, Spectre and did three different episodes on Spectre. Um, I need to watch that. Nerdist is, is only once a week now. Is Spectre um, good? Spectre's phenomenal. I need to watch If that. you like Daniel Craig, if you liked Cassina Royal, don't you see? If you liked that one... Um, and I thought that Skyfall was was way up there too, but this one's even better. It's got a good mixture of modern day and classic Bond tropiness to it. Um, Daniel Craig is awesome. The story's great. There's elements of there's elements of On Her Majesty's Secret Service in it, which I like, um, but it's not a complete rehashing of that. Um, uh, it's it's. It yeah, it was good. It was very very good, I and I will be. I'll be. I mean, I have the whole Bond collection on Blu-ray, but and I will be buying it. I almost it. watched Spectre last night. We started. This is this is it's just silly. We were gonna go out dancing last night, uh-huh, uh-huh. and um, she, uh, my girlfriend, was working eight a.m., which meant she got up at like five a.m. Yeah. on Saturday and today as well. So um, I'm very happy to say that uh, it was her that decided to bail on going out dancing, not me. Uh, and we started to watch Spotlight, yeah. and literally like 10, 15 minutes in. And she said, are we going to stay up and watch all of this? And I said, well, it's only 10 o'clock. <laughs> she yeah. was, she, within five minutes, she, she was, was passed out. Yeah, yeah. That, that Danny does that to me, too. We started watching Agent Carter, and she fell asleep in like the last 45 seconds. She fell asleep. Oh. I was like, all right, we're going to bed. She's like, no. I'm like, hey, we're gonna, you fell asleep. We're going to bed. So, yeah. I just put her to bed and stayed up for a bit. I didn't have to get up at five a.m. again. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's uh, what's out and about, or or coming out, or something that you've seen, read, heard, anything that you want to recommend to people, or something that you know that's around the next corner that you're interested in? Oh God, you put me on the spot. I can't think of any. Or even a comic book that you read recently that you hadn't read before. You think people might not know about or. Well, I'm sure everybody knows about uh, Saga. Oh, yeah. here was a comic book that I discovered. It's like six or seven volumes, but was really brilliant and would make a fantastic TV show. was Morning Glories. Huh, okay. Um, that was like Lost set in a prep school. Uh, uh, um, uh. Really fascinating. Now, this is, is this 
good Lost, like first three seasons Lost, or is this shitty last last well, three I seasons? Be recommending and- a show by saying, and it's really shit. If you think you know, no, yeah. it's really good. Uh, it's really because Lost was amazing for the first three three, three seasons. Also, and then way. that show fucked me off in the last ten minutes. Because season three, they came out and said, no, they're not in purgatory. No, they're not all dead. Blah, blah. And at the end, they're in fucking purgatory and they're all goddamn dead. Fuck you. Don't lie to me. Yeah. No, I Sorry we figured it out. Write better. If you don't want us to figure your shit out, fucking write the show better. But those first three seasons and then, you know, Daniel Faraday's character, the whole time travel thing came in and I was right on. I was first while there was, you know, that whole thing of like religious philosophy and I was like, okay, that's all right. But then they brought in the time travel thing, all the science fiction stuff. Because that show went from like survivor drama to religious, you know, drama, political drama to sci-fi drama. And it was it was several different shows as it went along. Mm -hmm. And then but then that final culmination and climax was just like. Um, done them out. So something else I would like to watch again. I only ever watched Lost once, and that was when it aired. Yeah. I never. Yeah. Watched another. I yeah. never watched an episode twice. That, I mean, that first season, those first few episodes, where you just really have no fucking idea what the hell's happening and no no idea what's coming. The, all the stuff that 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 J.J. Abrams pitched was great. Then he, once he got off the show, then it just started going all over the place and they didn't really know what they were going to do. And instead of having a vision toward the end of this is where we're going. Yeah, well, they should have definitely known where they were going they from done episode that. one on. You're right. You're absolutely right. And they didn't. It felt like they did. But then, then it went all over the place. And then they had all those filler did. episodes where nothing happened where let's focus on two characters we've never seen before who've apparently been there the entire time. And oh, they wound up burying in a shallow grave on a beach. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just like really the, the thing when they're you're getting these spiders to bite each other to to but whatever it was awful it was awful yeah and yeah I, I I worshipped that show for several years and then that show just it was like it was worse than Phantom Menace give space reference <laughs> that was Lost became Phantom Menace for me it was wow, awful wow that's pretty hard. it was awful that's but there were, there were first three there was some amazing stuff in those first three first three seasons see Phantom Menace is, un, is fairly unwatchable at least Lost was watchable it right. just let You're you right. down yeah yeah well, did I don't like anything with it. I don't like anything with a with a with a Judeo Judeo Christian religious ending. Like signs can eat a bag of dicks. Mm-hmm. Signs, you know, M Night Shyamalan is a is a fucking waste of of everything of studio money. But um, he did one good movie. No, I know he's, he did he, one good movie and one decent movie, he's had and a the rest off of one good career movie. is just utter. Although you know what, the shite. TV show that he did recently. Uh, Oh. Trying to be positive. Trying to be positive. What was the TV positive. show he did recently? It was based on a sci-fi. Novel. Oh yeah, um, I know what you're talking about. Actually, Wayward Pines. I really like that. There show. was we watched the first couple episodes and we went away from it because there were other things that had more checkboxes that came in mm-hmm. or things new seasons of things that we already liked. We will go back to Wayward Pines when we run out of stuff again because like it was that. interesting. I like Matt Dillon. I like that whole oh this town isn't what it seems. I like that whole thing of town in a bubble. I liked I it, liked but that. that was one of those shows where because it was um, the prisoner. It was there like were the prisoner. huge holes in the plot. Yeah, like yeah, it yeah, wrapped yeah. up in the final episode, and it wrapped up, and you were like, "Wait, this doesn't explain this, 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 and this." And these are all pretty big things. So it lost was like that. Lost, lost, but only in one season, yeah. not like six. Wayward Pines was. Yeah. Okay. Okay. 
Yeah. 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 I mean, at the end, there were things that they were like, we're purposely not going to answer the following questions. So don't bother. Yeah. I that was like, mm, not cool. No. No. Not at all. Not at all. Charlie. Um, <laughs> um, so you said uh, that comic book, um, mor- mor- what is it? Morning Glories. Morning Glories. Um, what else? Anything TV or any any albums come out? You said you've been listening to downloading music a lot lately. Anybody, certain oh, bands? You, there was a band. Memory. You said there was a band. There was, there was a, I know. I'm just trying to think. Like, I just downloaded EP. something the other day. It was Pony Pony Run Run or something. Um, it was a dance oh. uh, act. And, and uh, they the, the, were really good. The, you said their EP was good all the way through. Uh, oh, that. Oh, Chainsmokers. Chainsmokers. Absolutely. All right. Love Chainsmokers. Chainsmokers. Yeah. All right. That's cool. really good. They've got one EP out right now. Um, they did that song "Selfie," and which was a novelty hit, and yeah. they don't want to. They didn't want to talk about it. Right. And when you hear, if you haven't heard "Selfie," and you hear that, and then you hear the new stuff, you see why. Like I would be dis- right. distancing right, 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 myself right. from that with a ten foot pole as right, well. Right. Uh, but then new stuff is just phenomenal. Uh, I'm trying to think what's on television. I'm looking forward to Big Brother this summer, <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, uh, and Doctor Who, whenever the fuck that decides to return. Well, there's supposed to be a special, a Christmas special this year. Two of them. And then... He's got one fucking job. Make Doctor Who. And this is what... Oh, don't get me started. Why? Yeah, I really wish Capaldi would stick around for at least one season with Chibnall. At least one. I want to see Capaldi under somebody else's show I running. I couldn't agree with you more. I think Capaldi without Moffat would be brilliant. I think so too. But I, I think right now, I think Capaldi's the they single. They don't know what I th- they want Capaldi's Doctor to be. I think Cap- two different Doctors almost. In, he's in these two seasons all the gone. Doctors. He's all of them. He's absolutely every single Doctor. There are times when you look at him, you see his performance, you hear the words coming out of your mouth, you see facial expressions, you see gestures, you see things, and it's every single doctor. I, to a point, I, I agree. I mean, like, I think we talked the other day, you thought the, 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 the two-part Zygon thing was the best. I thought it was awful, except for the speech. Um, I, I just, you know, when you get these uh, soldiers that are specially trained... And a shape-shifting Zygon comes out as its mother, and he goes, "Okay, you probably, even though I know you're a shape-shifting Zygon, and even though my mother is a million miles away from here, I, I'll buy that it's my mom." Yeah. And hey, how about the rest of you guys? Do you uh, see anyone you know in the? Bro, okay, so it's not a team of shape-shifting Zygons; it's random family members of all our. Tri- you would I, it was, think. It was you would think special forces awful. guys. It would be better trained awful. to be no, able to... No, to you would think a writer would not write lazy fucking shit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that... Ugh, really yeah, did not yeah. care for that. But the speech... Whatsoever. Right, so a two-minute speech doesn't make up for... No. Two fifty minutes. But I think that's one of the best Doctor now. Who speeches ever. It was a great speech. But what a shame it was buried in that piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I like Osgood a lot, though. I like I like that character. I, Yes. Ingrid Oliver was the highlight of the con for me, even though I didn't really get to see her in anything other than her hanging out with cross players. So. Uh, she was she was lovely. Um, oh, yeah, and super nice. Just super nice. I wanted to get my photo done with her. but we I couldn't. thought Capaldi's this season, his most recent season with Davros in the first two episodes, what a start to a season. That was fantastic. Oh, yeah, yeah. That. I thought, okay, they found out who he is. They, they know where they're going now, and I'm just going to sit back and enjoy the ride. And just slowly, like, nah. Not. I didn't hate the season, by the way. The, the Zygon thing was a low point for me. What but about what about Husbands of River Song? That was really good. 
I thought. I thought the ending was good. I mean, that's what they tend to do. They, they, they sometimes put together they an write episode an ending. They, they, they take an idea of how to end something and then they write an episode around it. Yeah, so Moffat they're racing through that, an yeah. episode, doing a million things, and then suddenly there's this wonderful, sweet ending, which doesn't really doesn't yeah. contribute to the, the preceding hour. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know Moffat... Moffat can write brilliantly, but he just... I think I think Moffat needs would rather concentrate on Sherlock. I well, but I also think Moffat needs time and space to percolate to to flush an idea, flush an idea. Well, I think we've seen proof when of he's that. Writing, when he does the single ideas, yes. they're the best ones. Things of the that season. he did under under the under the Russell reins of Russell Russell Davis was was a Russell Davis. I like that. Russell Davis. Russell Davis. Um, I think that. You know, obviously, Blink is the best new Hoop Doctor Who thing written, but that speech from the Zygon episode was was. I mean, I was I was like tears girl in the crying. Too. Oh yeah, girl in the fireplace. Yeah, all that Moffat stuff from that that Doctor and Rose and Doctor and Martha. I mean, all the Moffat stuff from back then was amazing. That's why we all thought he was going to be great, and I would have loved to have seen Matt Smith under a different no, showrunner. There were shades of. The, 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 the silence in the library. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There were shades then and that he was going to be. He was going to. He was ripping himself off. Like he was actually like. I didn't enjoy it as much because it was. There were elements of other stuff that he'd done for. Uh, I have to watch it. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you have to look at his whole career though too, because because there were problems with like fourth series of coupling, and you know there were things where he really, you know. Well, at least he was. You know, strong for three seasons. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, I think it's. I mean, it's definitely beyond time that he should go. It's and I don't, and it'll be interesting, really fascinating to see what they will do with Capaldi if they keep him. And and well, it's not that, a matter of them wanting to keep him. It's a matter of he saying he was going to go. He's he's done. Uh, that's no, every- no, no, no. He, there was there was an article. Well, unless you know more than me, there was an article in like the Daily Mirror, which said that 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 he was going to be pushed out. But there was nothing that said he was going to go, and it looked like it could be either it was planted to sow the seeds now that we expect it, or it was just you know crappy gossip, clickbait. Well, headline. I hope it's crack. I hope it's crappy gossip clickbait because I would like to see Capaldi stick around. But I, break, I didn't read Baker, anywhere that Capaldi Baker said he wants to move on. That's what I. That's what I. That's what. That's the thing I read that said Capaldi was like, I'm, I'm going to leave once Moffat's gone. Oh, I didn't see that. But. Um. I would love it if he stuck around. I would much. I would like to see him break Tom Baker's record. I would like to see Capaldi be the Doctor. He's the Doctor we've needed for a very long time. Well, I'd like to see him find out who he is. Because right now, well, he's, he's every. But he's, well, ev- he's not just an amalgam of of the ones that have gone before. There's the first episode. He's just grumpy. The second uh, first season, excuse me. The second season was preceded by a lot of press that talked about how. The new doctors. I mean, excuse me. The, the, this new season, he's really funny. He's going to be a lot lighter and more humorous than the first. And clearly, they were they were putting that out there at the top. Like, oh no, we're changing him. We're changing him. Uh, it was clearly the message because the, the the ratings really fell off during the first season of Capaldi because all the teenage girls stopped watching. But yeah, so I, I think um, I still think with the second episode, with the second season being quote unquote you know lighter in tone, um, I still. I still don't know who Capaldi's doctor is. Hmm. Hmm. So, um... I liked Listen a lot. That was one of my favorite episodes from the first series that he did. Where he goes looking for the things under the bed and blah, blah, blah. Oh, but see, now here's my problem with that. There were elements of that I liked. But 
when you have a show that's 50 years old, you cannot shoehorn uh, ideas in that were supposedly there from the get-go. And specifically, the idea that he's scared of things under the bed. Not once in 50 years of history has that ever been mentioned. Mm-hmm. But in this episode, we're expected to believe that it's always haunted him, and Clara, wonderful, amazing Clara, is going to get to the bottom of this mystery that's always haunted us since, oh, I don't know, five minutes ago. You know, so, so when I can't get behind the basic premise of an episode, all right, all right. I, I just can't get behind the whole you episode. S- you said you liked the, uh, the, the underwater episode a lot. No, I didn't say I liked it a lot. I said it was okay. All right. All right. I, 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 to me, the, the two-episode Davros thing was, was a, a high point yeah. uh, of, of, of recent history. I yeah. thought that was really, really well done. I've been wanting to go back and watch Genesis of the Daleks again. I find myself going back to Baker a lot. Oh, Genesis was fantastic. Oh, I mean, yeah. there's a fair bit of padding in it. There's a fair bit of running around. Sure, sure. Um, well, you got that's that's Doctor Who in the seventies. You the, run down corridors. The right, whole time. but the two main or you run through the city streets of Paris, going da 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 over and over. I love City of Death, but that one. But you had in in Genesis, you had two amazing creations and and actors to go with it. You had, of course, Davros, and you had Nida, and the two of them were were mesmerizing. Uh, you know, that's lightning in a bottle when you get actors. I'm really are, glad that I've turned Danny onto onto old Who, and and she loves Tom Baker. She actually had somebody ask her recently who your favorite Doctor is, and she said, "There's that's a." Th-, and what she said the other night, "That's a three part answer because you know I love William Hartnell because he's such a grumpy old man, and I like grumpy old man characters like you know the the grumpy old grandfather, and then Tom Baker's wit just." He was able to just. Well, it was also Baker's otherworldliness as a as a, as oh, a yeah. human being. He was such an alien, such a kook. Contributed a, to that. Such acting. a such a crazy person, you know, persona. And but and 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 he always said it was like I wasn't playing the Doctor, I was the Doctor, mm-hmm. and he was the one who really took on that mantle and did Blue Peter and did the chat shows and did the thing and really took that character out of the show and out into the world. And and I don't think other doctors have necessarily done that as much. I think Sylvester McCoy tried to do a bit of that, but there was so much tumult happening at the BBC and with and with uh, with um, uh, John Nathan Turner and all you know and mm-hmm. all that crap going on and the allegations and all that shit. And John Nathan Turner's whole thing of let's get all the characters in the TARDIS, let's get five people on board the TARDIS and they all hate each other and are yelling at each other and that's good drama and it's like, no, 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 no. And I think Adric was one of the single greatest mistakes of, of Doctor Who. Uh, he wasn't the best. That was... But I, you know me, I've written off the 80s. Yeah, yeah, so I know you did. Me, was, I know you did. To me, it's did. like six and one half a dozen the other. But there's some amazing stuff in there. I mean, I mean, I like... I like... I'm a big fan of blue of Black Orchid. A lot of people don't like that episode, but mm-hmm. I'm a big, huge fan of Black I to, Orchid. It's been years since I've seen it. Oh, it's a total period piece, an Agatha Christie mystery in two parts mm-hmm. kind of thing, and costumes and uh, Nissa's twin, you know, and just so much I love about that. You know, you get to see the Doctor play cricket, and and you know, 
they show up at the train station and and just oh just so much so much so much just drips with britishness it's almost like how british you know the the whole thing with super ego of how british am i and it's like the most british episode of doctor who <laughs> although i really like uh, unicorn and the wasp too and there was thing there were shades of that that, that go back good. go back to black orchid again too that was well so done. so well uh, i'm recommending um series 2 of agent carter uh, been watching that and really enjoying it. Um, there's a few other series that came out. I'm also really enjoying, um, really enjoying Craig Ferguson's new series, Join or Die, which is a British style panel show in America on the History Channel where uh-huh. he and three other comedians have a panel show and debate about political stuff, you know, political news or whatever, and it's hilarious and it's basically him picking up right where he left off, but really completely in command of doing his own thing oh, of good. where he left off with the, the Late Late Show. Um, that's really good. And then there's another series that I I really want to, I, I haven't started yet, but I really want to go back and watch Aquarius. Uh, the, the new X-Files was so amazing. Um, I, want, I, I want more Duchovny in my life and I really want to go back and watch Aquarius. Now, since Hannibal's not coming back, I need some other, mm-hmm. you know, kind of murder mystery or murder, murdery, you know, violent murdery type show to, to deal with. Um, Did you ever see Happy Valley, the first season of that? No. You need to see that. It's six episodes. I think it's on Hulu or I Netflix. My dad, I think my dad recommended that. I couldn't recommend that highly enough. All Fantastic right. show. All right. All right. Cool. Happy Fantastic. Valley. Yeah. Happy Valley. All right. That's another one. Uh, plug your stuff. Where can people find you? Um, well, let's see. On my Twitter is at uh, Hayden Black. Um, Gen Z. Uh, if you want to look up Gen Z, it's GenZ.org. It's G-E-N-Z-E-D.org. And, and that Twitter account is Gen underscore Z. All right. Um, and those are the best places. Cool. Or, you know, find me on Facebook, too. Yeah. Hayden, always a pleasure to talk Lovely British thing. television and sci-fi and Doctor Who with you. Uh, I'm at St. Michael on Twitter. That's S-A-Y-N-T-M-Y-K-L. I'm underscore St. Michael on Instagram. You can find us online as something2xp.net. Please subscribe and review us on iTunes and Stitcher. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook, Google+. Check out our blog. Listen to past episodes on something2xp.net. Email us at something2xp at gmail.com. And remember, please be kind. You've just listened to the Something Something Experience podcast with your hosts, Michael John Simpson and Kitty Brown. Something 2XP was conceived and produced by Michael John Simpson. Intro music, Ways to Change Faces, and outro music, Scorpio 37, was written, produced, and provided by the talented Sebastian Ciceri. Please visit our website at something2xp.net. You can find us online everywhere as Something2XP. Please subscribe and review us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook and Google+. Please help support our podcast and get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash something2xp. Email us at something2xp at gmail.com. We invite your feedback. Please be kind. <laughs>